These may be challenging times, but have hope and listen to the untold health stories about incredible people who have committed their lives to better their communities. Diverse health activists, direct medical providers, community organizers that are helping our communities to get healthier and stronger. Stories of local heroes during the pandemic and even before that proves over and over again that people can come together during times of need and make the world a better place. Stories you would never hear of, except at Healthcare Untold, hosted by Barbara Ann Garcia. Our guest today at Healthcare Untold is Rama Blueprint podcast co-hosts Socorro Gamboa and Darren J. De La Leon. Welcome to Healthcare Untold. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for well, having we're so, us today. We're so excited to have both of you on. You know, we as uh, Latino, Latinx, Latina podcasters, uh, we really wanted to bring other uh, Latinx podcasters uh, to talk to them um, and also to share, you know, the incredible tools of podcasting for our communities. It's a great way to communicate to our community messages that they probably don't hear from anywhere else. Well, thank you for having us. And um um and thank you for also um you put what you're doing you know um in inspiration and motivation and you know getting that word out there through your podcast on healthcare untold um i want to saludar gerardo who's also here with us um and acknowledge him and uh and thank you for for uh, this opportunity for us to to talk together about our work and what we're doing and and our goals and our intentions as far as you know impacting community and getting information out there um darren you want to chime in yeah i want i also want to thank for thank you for opening up your podcast to us i think what's going to happen i think we're going to share this with our audience too so right. at some point we're going to be interviewing you folks during the show here but yeah once again i think it's really important that that the, the latinx podcasters really at least at the minimum get to know each other and if they can share space and share time and dialogue, I think that's even greater. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy about this event happening today. Yeah, me too. And again, um, thanking Gerardo um, Sandoval for our backstage kind of work that he does. And also, mm -hmm. he's also a co-host as well. And as you know, cross-promotion is really important for our listeners. It's a way for us to grow our podcasts. And it's a tool, I think, to encourage people to listen to more podcasts from uh, Latinx podcasters. So we really appreciate you here today. So let's find out a little bit about your podcast and how you started. And uh, tell us about the focus of your podcast. So, um, you know, we got started um, out of the out of the pandemic. I, I always have to kind of acknowledge that because uh, Darren and I have known each other for over 20 years, about 20 years now. We met at RAP when I was the high school principal there. And I was the the last executive director in a sense of the form of the organization known as the Real Alternatives Program. But we had a high school in there. And so that's kind of our history, how we work together. I, you know, was his supervisor. I was the principal and he was one of the teachers, but not just any teacher. He was an extraordinary teacher. He taught English and um, literature, and he was also on the radio. I'm sure he'll tell you about his work that he was doing in San Francisco. This was San Francisco, the mission district. So at the, as the pandemic, you know, became, you know, viral in a sense and started going crazy with us um, and affecting so many people. <clears throat> obviously I was home um, and I began to isolate 
And um, and so, um, unfortunately, as, as a result of the pandemic and other illnesses, I, ha- I lost several friends, four friends. And, um, you know, I started thinking in my head and started all this stuff started coming. And I started thinking about the work at RAP, all the communication, all the relationships, all the history, the people I had met. And I had talked to Darren on occasion. We had driven up to San Francisco. We had a one of our former students passed away. Um, and so, uh, you know, we 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 started getting connected and started talking about, you know, how we could bring people together. Yeah, I want to take a step back and and Rama Blueprints podcast is telling the story of a San Francisco nonprofit called Real Alternative oh, right. Programs that was founded in 1969, but it unfortunately closed its doors in the year 2000. So through those uh, 31 years or so, they created a, a youth movement and they did leadership development inside San Francisco's Mission District that was so incredible and transformational to not only the individuals, but it actually transformed the the uh, mission district, their community, also themselves, and then eventually the whole city. So what we're doing is that we are now telling this story about how RAP, Real Alternative Programs, has developed. And like Sokoto was saying, we had, you know, I was a teacher and she was running the school. And so at some point we wanted to have a family reunion and we, we wound up having these on Zoom. And it was interesting because eventually a four-year high school was developed out of it but all these services for youth these people who were staff members for for years who hadn't came back together for about 20 years or so mm. they they made their way back together through the zoom meetings right. and Sagorda could talk about what happened yeah and, and so we had like seven rap familia zoom meetings is what we called them and every generation of rap came together it's just really interesting how People, the word got out and people were like, I want to go. How come I don't have the link? I want to, I want to connect. And Darren's absolutely right. People that hadn't spoken in almost 20 years were now speaking to each other. You know, our tagline is to listen is to heal. And we started witnessing a healing in a lot of ways of what was going on. There had been people that had kind of just disconnected. Um, And some ill feelings and some people made their way through Zoom. And eventually, you know, connect it once again. And so, you know, if you, if, and Barbara, I think you might, you might know this in the history of rap is that the way we worked, it was, it was like a familia. I mean, it was so, we were so tied together um, that um, we, we worked unselfishly, worked tirelessly, people worked a lot. And there was a core of people that worked together for a lot of years. And so, we do the Zoom meetings and Darren and I can, you know, we we would debrief after every meeting and we would talk and we would say, hey, what do you think? And we said, we got to document this, you know, and Darren's, you know, his, you know, genius mind. And he starts going, you know, we could probably do something like a, like a podcast. He already had experience. He'd been he'd been on the radio and I had no clue. I was just like, OK, sure. Yeah, I don't I don't mind. I like to talk. So let's just do this. Right. And so we started with interviews um, and we started to interview some of the more older, the elder generation, the folks that had paved the way. And we started hearing all these stories, all this stuff that started coming out. And um, 
you know, we there are five organizations that were like the anchor organizations in the mission. What we dubbed as the five sisters, um, both Darren and I are gardeners. And uh, we started talking about how could we create that um, kind of bring them together through this concept of gardening that we both are participated. Darren. Yeah, as as we had been gardening and talking about gardening and we that metaphor of the garden something that we wanted to address because we were following uh, one of the, the indigenous uh, planting practices of the three sisters, which is corn, squash, and beans. And those not only provide the minerals for your for you to live, but they also are they have a symbiotic relationship to each other and they help each other grow. Right. And so when we looked at the anchor organizations in San Francisco, we had identified five of them and we know that there's a lot, lot more. But these five pivotal ones worked in conjunction with RAP, doing a lot of the the um, youth advocacy and violence prevention work that needed to get done, providing court advocacy and services for those the individuals that most people ignore, that they don't want them in their services, that they don't want them in their classroom, that they don't want them in their presence because they feel that they are dangerous kids and they don't understand them. A lot, Luis Rodriguez refers to them as the throwaway kids, the ways that, that throw away society that they just wish that they're put into prisons and incarcerated for the rest of their life and not have to worry or deal with them. Unfortunately, we see the value in, in, in those young minds. And the only thing that they're rebelling is they're rebelling to a failed system that is unable to develop them as uh, in their interest and to be a productive citizen inside their lives. But at RAP, we saw those. If a kid was caught up in some type of a drama, we could not only help them, but once we get to know them, we can find what their strengths were and gear them toward a more positive life, like within the community. And this, it's such a beauty of that because, um, you know, RAP represents um, such an incredible story. And what I found through this podcast and talking to other people around the country is that is so true for many of our Latino ex communities, Latinx communities, that these types of organizations, the self indigenous organizations mm. bring about social change in their communities. And that's really one of the reasons we really want to tell those untold stories also. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, but you're but with the beauty that you're doing, you're really going deep into that to see what happened and how did it happen. And I think it's going to be great understanding um, and also some examples of what our future leaders can look to. And, um, you know, oral histories, this is the new technology of mm -hmm. oral histories that you're doing. And so I really honor that. And I think um, it's a beautiful uh, project for you to do. One thing I wanted to mention is that the other motivator is about the lessons learned, right, as you mentioned. Um, there's a new generation of Latino Latinx leaders in San Francisco, all over the country. And, um, you know, you can learn a lot from when they chained the doors at YGC in 1967, 1968 at Juvenile Hall to what's happening now of the closures of all the juvenile halls, all the youth guidance, all the youth centers, detention centers in the country, in particular, California. And so we're going to we're going to look through the podcast at making bringing those parallels like what what is that what happened you know for 30 years ago what's happening now has our things changed it's really really important there's the new generation of leaders 
um, I have to say, honestly, as a, as a, you know, I can call myself an elder, a person that's been doing community work for quite a number of years. Some folks, they just, they, 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 they get it handed to them. They don't know what to do with it. Right. They don't understand the history. They don't understand the struggle. And so part of what this podcast does is it talks about the struggle, the, you know, to get to where we're at now, not that it's perfect, not that we've all got it all there already, but at least it can help people give an understanding, like what are some of those lessons that, what are some of those errors you don't want to make that we made, that that's folks made and how do we really, you know, move towards uh, a unified Latinx community, Chicano, Latino community, BIPOC community. So people are actually, because if you look at the history of rap and then, you know, I just want to say this really quick. You know, the originators of RAP, which was an organization called a group called Emuño, was a BIPOC group. It was, you know, Black, Latino, Samoan, Filipino. It was a huge Japones, you know, Koreanos. Uh, it was a group of people working together. That's what it was. They all in the mission and all of them have said this. We all just loved each other and we respected each other. Um, it didn't matter what where we were from, what we looked like. And so somehow we want to bring that energy out of, you know, through the podcast and, you know, share that with people. People say, hey, at one point there was a lot, you know, things were being done out of love and but also also done out of, you know, fighting for for what is rightfully, you know, uh, ours. But um, so I th I think, you know, how did you guys get started? How did, you know? Well, I just wanted to comment on okay. that because coming from um, the Long Beach, L.A. area, mm -hmm. um, when I was young, um, there was an interchange between San Francisco young kids and ourselves mm -hmm. and the San Francisco kids came down. And one of the striking things for me was the fact that many of them were biracial. Yeah. And being raised in a you know, very segregated community between African-Americans and, and Chicanos. Um, and, you know, uh, in my neighborhood, we integrated, but, you know, it was very segregated at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, that was the beauty that I saw in San Francisco was that uh, BIPOC unity uh, with um, young people and kind of the leadership also embracing that. And that's not true for all of our movements in the terms of where we, how we were having to develop. So mm -hmm. I think San Francisco was ahead of its time in that way. <laughs> right? yeah. So um, I started um, the podcast um, in the aspect of having over 30 years in healthcare and just meeting, working with people who were so incredible in healthcare. And, you know, um, starting with, um, you know, working on developing a farmworker clinic in Watsonville, which is called Salud para la Gente. And it's still a big organization. We started in a, in a basically a uh, apple shed uh, with a doctor who really wanted to do some free care. And I was organizing uh, food security programs and we invited him in and we started a free clinic for uh, farm workers. And that became a real movement. And um, so, so many people like Dr. Michael Alkaley, who kind of gave his life to those kinds of movements, I really wanted to capture their stories. And so approaching Gerardo about how do we do this technically, I knew I wanted to do a podcast. I just didn't know how to do it. And so Gerardo really helped me in that engagement. And then finding more and more and more people with so many common threads uh, that people coming together can really make a difference in their communities. Just leave that to Gerardo to take it from there. Yeah, it was not a coincidence. I think it was meant to be. 
you know, having my first experience in uh, the Watson community as a college kid and going and working for Salud para la Gente and Barbara, you know, I think that instilled in me uh, a need to continue to pay attention to our community. And so when Barbara approached me about this idea with healthcare and told, it was very automatic, you know, it was a, something that, uh, again, was instilled in me from back then and understanding that our community needs us. Earlier, um, Socorro mentioned our podcast and our community. And I think that's what struck me from the beginning when we were working back then and we're doing now is that in order for us to continue to support our community, we need to tell these stories. And what you guys are doing, Socorro, and Darren, that's exactly what it is. We're telling these stories. And that's what's amazing about, um, you know, the power of the mic, the power of distribution and uh, the need for us to continue to produce and uh, be out there with uh, with and, and about our community. What I find, Socorro um, and Darren, is that so many of our uh, leaders, um, they may have a lot of public, you know, um, work that they do, but they're so scared to tell their stories. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you find that as well, but you know, they are so kind of, they're kind of uh, challenged by the technology of, of mm -hmm. what we're doing. And once they start, of course, telling their story, it's uh, a beautiful one, of course. And, uh, but we find that at times, you know, just yesterday or the, yeah, yesterday I was doing a podcast with a woman who spent 40 years doing jail health and mm. doing homeless health. And no one had asked her story. No one had ever asked about her story. I, I think we have found that in, in some of the elders that we have, uh, you know, spoken with. And, and then we've also, from interviewing them, we have found stuff about them, you know, about who they are as the persona, right? Who they are, what drives them, you know, or finding out that at 16, you know, they were, you know, involved in some negative street stuff. And then, and then you see them and you go, oh my God, that's so-and-so. And then they reveal that. And from that experience, or maybe even taking care of their parents at 14, we have the, you know, a couple of brothers that have worked in the mission district that became instant parents to, uh, with their mom, you know, with their, with a fire, their whole house burned down. Um, I think it was on Shotwell. So, and then what it, what, what drove them to becoming those, um, those human beings and caring and compassion. And I think that's, but it's, it's so interesting for, for at least for Darren and I to, to have these conversations and then you hear the story and then we say, oh my God, we, we've got to talk about that part, that side of so-and-so because so-and-so has this image and that's what people think, but we need to kind of open that up. So people start to see the humanity in in these individuals um and and you know and, it, and it's been an interesting journey because the other part of this story is to talk about the worker the frontline workers you know my own background um is a, a lot of it came out of doing street outreach work i was working directly on the street with a lot of as they say hitters and quitters and you know you name it i was working with the homies for a long time and um I'm considered a square. I don't come from that life. But, you know, for me, it's what I want to tell that. We want to tell that story, too, of the frontline worker, the outreach worker, 
the 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 student that's getting her the student or internship at instituto that's getting her LCSW the that person the, you know it, because they're on the front lines and a lot of times often you you recognize those that are you know the executive directors the community leaders but then there's fulano over there who works 40 60 hours a week trying to get that kid to go to his probation meeting because of this and this and that and what that energy takes and so Part of the Rama Blueprints podcast is to talk about that community worker, to to share that story of what are some of the challenges, um, you know, to 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 living this life and saying, yeah, I'm a, I work in the community, but what about their own challenges to keep them their mental health situation? How does that keep them going? You know, how do you you know the issues of countertransference, the issues of PTSD, the issues of you know I could go down the list if I carry trauma. You know, if I was self-analyzed myself from all the work I did, you know, I go, well, yeah, I'm walking vicarious trauma sometimes because I sometimes I get, re, you know, I get re-triggered. Absolutely. So I think that not only is it about telling this beautiful story and the history of activism in the Mission District and community and its impact citywide nationally, too, because rap was, you know, it was it had its fingers everywhere. It has tentacles everywhere. Um. It's also about what it takes to do that. What kind of commitment does it take? Uh, you know, Ray Balboron used to say that community work, I don't know how old you guys are, but, you know, there was a commercial about Lay's potato chips. You just can't have one. And uh, back in the day, and Ray used to always say, you know, doing community work is like eating Lay's potato chips. You just, once you have one, you can't, you can't stop. And we'd be like, oh, God, it's, it's kind of, you know, weird, the analogy, but he would say that to us and, you know, uh, doing work in the community is is can be super great and rewarding, but it also can be really, really hard on the individual. And so we are, we're exploring that. We have some interviews of some frontline workers, some community workers, folks that have gone through some pretty serious, you know, challenges as a result of it. Yeah, you know, that's so interesting, Socorro, because one of the things that I found is that many of the executive directors of our programs mm -hmm. were the frontline workers. Yeah. And so they have that in heart, right? Right. right. How they treat their employees and right. their mission and what they're doing. And so I think that's a really important part of sending that traditional role of leadership right. development in organizations. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the many important facets of uh, Latinx, Latino, Chicano organizations right. is understanding that their leadership was there in that front line. I was also a frontline worker and did some of the same work that you're talking about, Socorro, and, um, you know, with trying to do gang prevention work. And that was, you know, doing murals and doing educational pieces and trying to understand, you know, what that dynamic of uh, the potential violence was going to be around me. Um, and so, and you know, it is uh, what I learned because I went through a little bit of different kind of, um, of uh, trauma, which was an earthquake of 1889, which was centered in downtown Watsonville. Um, and then also two floods uh, that was the Pajaro River. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I learned um, primarily from that system of the Red Cross and um, other things that um, how that self-care of that worker is so important. And that I try to embed that in the work that I do. In fact, last night I had a conversation with a colleague and 
you know, she says, well, one of the things you taught me was to take care of myself. And I think that's a real important message for, for us to give to our leaders, that it's okay to take care of yourself. It's okay to take that short vacation because, you know, in the long term, you're going to be better at the work that you do. That's an important point you make. You know, um, I think of the five executive directors currently that we're focusing on in that com in the community. All of them came out of, you know, being frontline workers, you know, and that and that generational education that, you know, motivating people to do that is is so critical. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, it, that, that that's I, I was just thinking about, you know, people at Instituto and just all the people that have come out of that, you know, the one of the the episodes will be to focus down the road on, you know, the new generation of leaders and sort of their stories and how they kind of came up, you know, through the ranks per se. Um, so that that's a that's a very important point. Thank you for mentioning that. I want to well, I want to add on to that about frontline workers because that that is one of the specific target profiles that we are aiming toward. One of the things that we found out just in our research is that with every new generation of frontline workers and people who are extending themselves out into a career and community doing community service work that we find out that um, they don't have uh, a, some, some come from the outside of outside of the Bay area and starting their careers here. And they don't have an understanding of the, all that social services and the history of it and how they work together collectively inside the mission. So as a result, things are, we have folks who are working in silos, but what we, what we're talking about in, in our stories too, is about how, those opportunities for training for frontline workers, how did that come about? And it all started with um, a community organizer, community member by the name of Jim Queen, who was a merchant Marine. And he just liked the issues of, of you know, just help, helping to develop a community. And when he was approached with these young people, that first marked the creation of Imunio, but it also marked a very important developmental stage inside that community where support programs were going to happen. And the one line that he would always tell his young leaders that he was helping develop was that those people with degrees or those people who are professionals or those people who are older than you, they don't have the skills that you have. You in some things, you are an expert in some things that they are not. And so he was able to, to, to get the best out of those folks in the name of creating a type of lifestyle, the environment that's going to be safe and helpful to their family and beneficial to themselves and to the community. And that's the story that we're, that we're, we're, we're telling also too. I have a question. I wanted to ask Barbara and Gerardo, you know, as we're moving through this conversation, you know, I, I mean, we're talking to each other right now. And my question would be, you know, what is it that, what is the primary, I guess, um, teaching, that's the word I want to use, that you'd like for your target audience to 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 gain from the podcast? Uh, uh, you know, how'd you like for them? What is What are the reactions you're looking for? What, what are some of the, those objectives? Um, you know, just to kind of get into talking about some of, you know, this other part of this podcasting world that we're involved in now. Just a question. I'll let her start. You know, I, 
I um I strongly believe that the more we produce, the more we're out there. And mm -hmm. so I think that that's what's important, you know, as Latinos, as Latinx, as BIPOC, uh, the more we produce, the more we're out there. And I think that's the primary message I personally have and mission, I suppose, is so that uh, we together can help each other by making sure that our story is out there. So production for me is important, the key to getting our word out, to getting our message out, to getting our story out. Um, and, and, you know, within that, there's, there's a lot of, um, of, uh, of need for us to uh, understand, you know, where are we coming from and who we are. Yeah, I guess I really want to push the issue of innovation and invention. And my father was an inventor. And I would see him take a blank piece of paper, and he was a shipyard worker. And he designed some hooks for the painters of the big uh, ships so they wouldn't fall off the scaffolding. And he was so proud of his work, and so was the Navy. They gave him a little certificate and a $500 little bonus, but he saved probably hundreds of thousands of people. And so that blank piece of paper of being able to invent innovate ideas and also bring people along with you uh, in solving some of our world's problems that we can do that together and um, our stories prove that over and over again that people coming together can really uh, support and help people uh, in the in the in the most suffering they, they may have I'd like to ask a question and, and that's you know regarding the topics that you choose to to present and discuss on there. I mean, your podcast is called Healthcare Untold. And so we, we're assuming that everything is going to be about healthcare. And I don't know if it's the physical or, you know, what, what, and what aspects when you're looking at healthcare are you folks trying to address? Oh, that's a great question because healthcare, as I've learned in the public health field, is the social determinants of health. Um, it can go everywhere from where you live, how you live, um, and, um, you know, they say that your zip code will tell what your health status is. And it has more to do with poverty, uh, social justice. Um, and so uh, when we look at healthcare, we're looking at uh, the entire uh, social determinants of health. I'm working on a project right now of how do you bring health, financial security, and uh, housing as um, the kind of the ingredients for this COVID recovery. So, you know, recovering from COVID is not just recovering from that disease. We have to change the fabric of our communities to improve health status, to ensure that uh, people have the ability to isolate when they get sick, that they have a, health, a healthy home that they have food. And so it is that broad spectrum. And that's why it's called Healthcare Untold, the untold stories of what really healthcare is. You you mentioned zip codes, right? And so in my, uh, you know, right away it triggered that thought. And it's like, oh, shit, I guess I do live in the ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's so telling about who, you know, just because of your zip code, you know, you're already like pigeonholed, you know, mm. and so that that tells your data analyst whoever is, you know, determining, you know, your you, who you are because of that. 
in regards to your health, but it also has to do with your financial health, right? And so we talk a lot about other health factors that impact our physical health. You know, it, it, it is emotional. It is financial. It, it is, you know, your status quo. All that impacts your health. You know, I've learned recently I did, an, um, by the way, these are my first prescription eye glasses. And so when I first went to get examined, I didn't realize how important eye health is. And, and it, again, you know, it's so fascinating to realize how many people don't have access, mm -hmm. don't have access to a pair of glasses or to an exam and how important it is, how vital it is for their health and for their survival. You know, being in the zip code that I am, it is impacting people. So that's where healthcare and told is. You know, it's a little bit of all these factors that impact our overall health as humans. No, it's a, there's a startling uh, data point that came out of the JAMA, which is the Journal of Medical Association. And it says that during 2019 to 2021, that the Latino life expectancy shrunk by six years from 82 to 76. And we're not talking about it. What does that mean? for the wealth of the community because you know our community works till they're mm. very old so i do think that these untold stories are so important for our communities to learn from but also to take action about yeah you know a, a really good point and i'm just going to touch real quickly on the health uh, perspective because i'm a cancer survivor and um i'm uh, 20 years 21 years into uh my cancer gone and it was and when i worked in the community i had no concept of self-care i it was like work 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 socorro 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 you know my name means socorro means socorro means to ayudar to help right mm -hmm. and so i didn't learn that until i went to a um a restorative justice workshop uh about you know 10 years ago and i was doing some sort of training with some folks we had to talk about our name and I literally lived it, lived my work and uh, ate, breathed community work. And when I when I think about your podcast, and I think what's important, like finding out about your eyes, right? Head out of the like, I I have been wearing those cheapy deepy, you know, readers mm -hmm. because you know I I was like I I don't need glasses, but I finally went to the doctor, and there are my prescription first prescription reading glasses, I think three years ago. Mm, yeah. And I started realizing, oh my God. And when I'm in those doctor's offices or I'm at, um, at this particular where I go, I see people like, you know, oh, well, you know, haggling like, oh, I can't afford it or this or that. And it's really, really sad to see that, but it's also so important for our community to take care of itself, right? To take care of oneself, not only like mind, mind body and spirit. And in particular, your 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 physical health because um you know i can talk about my tia guadalupe who lived to be 102 and she ate you know 10 flour 10 corn tortillas a glass of meal pan dulce the, her ritual was like the most high carb diet i had ever seen in my life and um but somehow there was other factors involved was taking a little walk being outside sitting in the solicito listening to the birds there was other type of medicina 
And one of the things that we explored in episode one was that medicina of the altar, right? Of how we grieve, how we how we practice uh, a lot of those sacred traditions. And so that's part of the, you know, this health, you know, uh, I see our podcast as, as also providing those kind of, uh, those kind of avenues to seeking those sacred, uh, looking for your ancestral ways, because for it does help you heal in a lot of ways. And so for me personally, um, where I'm at now, in compared to how I was when I was like working my butt off all the time, um, I know now to take those times to take to, to self care. So as we're doing these interviews with these frontline workers, we're 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 exploring that. How do you how do you self care? How do you what are the some of the practices you're using right now? Um, in episode three, when we talked about about the Uvalde episode in that in that roundtable, each one of those persons was just so so you know moved. I mean, just triggered with that ex, that experience of Uvalde and all the thing everything that happened there. But each one of them also had a remedio, a remedy on how to take care of themselves. And I think that that's kind of the the interesting thing about our podcast, about the podcast we're producing, Rama Blueprints, is that we can delve into that and get experience from that and 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 share that message with folks. You know, uh, I always uh, I always think about, you know, this is just a question. What do what do you guys how do you envision your show's responsibility to the community? Um, and uh, and we can all four touch on like what do we see as as a responsibility to community and maybe you guys can um, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I think that you know, sharing people's stories, allowing them to share their stories to a bigger audience of their um, failures, of their successes, um, the importance of the Latinx, Latino, Chicana, Chicano communities. Um, and then what I found, and I think you're touching on this greatly, is people coming together to create these incredible organizations and that development of the organization and, you know, intermingled with what a familia is, but then trying to keep the business alive, um, I think are kind of the responsibilities that we see of telling the true stories of what's really going on in our community uh, with hope and love. I feel that uh, what's important, you know, and very vital is uh, the ability to reach the masses, tell these stories and get those stories out. That is a very big responsibility that we're taking upon ourselves. And going back a little bit in what Socorro mentioned earlier, you know, our podcast, when I hear our, I hear our community, I hear us all together. And so reaching the masses through our stories. I think with um, one of the, the responsibilities for community that we have is that since I'm, since I'm trained in radio and also in a little bit in production and stuff, I think the responsibility is, is for me to share my skills to help further um, the development of a community. Now the, the, I partnered with Socorro specifically because she had that professional experience and working within this organization. And so what we've decided, and it's fine with me, is that we tell these stories of how youth leadership development occurred and then give them these examples of lessons learned or 
blueprints, which is why it's in the title of how to develop leadership that's going to have an impact on your community. So our responsibility definitely is to tell the story of San Francisco Mission District and how it has effectively controlled the destiny of their own neighborhood. And if there are communities out there that have no idea of what that type of self-determination feels like, or they get hit with issues that they're unable to handle, I'll just give you a quick example. Back when gentrification occurred here in San Francisco and a lot of folks were forced to, to, to leave the city, a lot of them wound up in Santa Rosa. And unfortunately, you know, they started experiencing youth community violence in Santa Rosa and they had no idea how to deal with it because a lot of those kids were coming from Oakland or come from San Francisco and these little beefs were being carried out over there. So what we provide is a history and an understanding of how, how San Francisco developed their responses to that. And hopefully those communities can, can start addressing it and hopefully they'll get in touch with us so we can actually start helping them address it by creating these networks of dialogues, of experiences with other communities, but also with other communities outside of California, outside of the Bay Area, but also the multicultural aspect that, that we have. We're following a multicultural, multi-generational movement that still pretty much exists, but the organization itself, which started as a movement, no longer exists. Yeah, I just want to add that um, in particular, we're partnering with uh, the Polynesian community, right? And when we talk about responsibility to community, um, I learned something at RAP many years ago, 20 plus years ago, I said, I'm not responsible for you, I'm responsible to you. And and so um, in particular, uh, we, we are partnering with the Pacific Islander Resource Hut, and one of our responsible to them is we've been asked to help train, help train them in producing a podcast. And so they can tell their story, can come from their perspective. So they can get, you know, put their their twist on it. And and so I see that as a responsibility for all of us that are here, the four of us, you know, to if, if we're asked to, you know, how did you guys go about doing this? How do we reflect that more? I'm currently mentoring a, a young woman here and we talk all the time. She has her own podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, she, we're just talking about themes and talking about, well, I want to talk about young woman stuff. And, and she says, I just want other people to know what we go through. And so I see that as a responsibility to when we are asked that we humbly, you know, we, we participate. Sure. You know, we should, we should also be given our respect and resources um, and, 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 and honored for that work. But I think that, like you said, Gerardo, the more that it gets out to the masses, then the more individuals are represented, the more people hear about it. And, and they can also say, well, look, man, these, these four people are doing this, this people are doing that, but I want to get, I want to get the story out there and I want to talk about what we're doing. Um, and, and, you know, um, with the Polynesian community, uh, you know, the Mission District in particular, San Francisco has a huge, I mean, you, I mean, it's like a, a relationship that goes way back to the 60s. I mean, one of those first organizers in the 60s uh, was a man by the name of Fili Sala. 
who was one of the first, uh, you know, was a Samoan youth who, you know, took the, took the stage, took on the, the juvenile halls, took on the, the, the mayor at the time. And so when Darren says multi-generational, multicultural, I mean, that's, that's exactly uh, the responsibility that we as individuals now using this medium um, have a responsibility to get to, to let people know that, you know, you can also talk about this. You can also bring it out, bring it up. You know, there's so there's so many parallels happening. Uh, the city, the cities are going. There's so much poverty and there's so much food insecurity. All the things that are happening. Um, uh, you know, the way people get information sometimes is 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 a lot of people aren't reading. People are are not under you know not listening to or the. I'm, I mean, I think this is another way to get people to get information. Uh, the internet is is upon us. It's here. It's been here. It's it's going to happen, and uh, I don't think we can fight it or resist it. Um, uh, and I think we have to kind of embrace it more and get our people to embrace it more. Uh, here in Oxnard, there's a show. Um, it's all in Misteco, and it's a radio show in Misteco. And I listen to it, even though no lo entiendo, mm-hmm. pero there are palabras that I because I, I volunteer at the Community Roots Garden, just give them a little plug there. And um, uh, one of the young women uh, is, uh, uh, the organization is called MyCup. And the, the, a lot of the indigenous uh, uh, community comes to volunteer there and work. And so, you know, it's for me, they're getting the word out to their people through the radio, you know, and, and están trabajando en el field and they're listening. You know, listening to, oh, there's this meeting, there's that, that's going on with the COVID, there's this, there's that, there's this opportunity for a scholarship. I can hear, I'm, I've picked up a few words, and I think, man, you know, what? A, it's amazing. And uh, to, to hear people uh, getting information. So I think the responsibility is, is to inform, educate, and uh, and inspire, you know. that's That's how I see our responsibility community. That's beautiful. And so, Coro, let's give a shout out to your uh, mentee's um, podcast, because that's what oh, we're yeah. trying to so do. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I'm working with Maria Garcia, and um, she has the De La Roots uh, is her podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, she's a, a student at Cal State LA. Her and her, her and her, her homegirl, as they call themselves, um, they, they got, they started, they started a podcast, and uh, I think they're uh, entering season two. Yeah. But the reason we started connecting as we met through this mujer circle that we have here in Ventura County. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a good show. And, uh, I told her we were going to be on and, you know, I think we have to, at one point get together all the, the podcasting folks. Um, Darren and I were talking about it yesterday, uh, and, and talking about an idea, uh, that we, we have about, you know, having a, um, a networking gathering, Darren, you want to maybe? Yeah, just to just to get together, just to, to yeah. get to know people, just to, you know, to yeah, introduce exactly. ourselves and exactly. see each other. Maybe have it somewhere in LA, and just kind of focus for right now, Southern California. No agenda other than I want to know what type of sandwich you're going to order. <laughs> I want to know what you know type of fruit juice you drink. 
I want to see your headphone. <laughs> yeah, I want to see your headphones. <laughs> yes, headphone. exactly. And also your field recording equipment. Let me there see what you, you go. got. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, this is, you know, this conversation will continue. And uh, we're so happy to have Rama Blueprints podcast with us. Socorro Gamboa, Darren J. De Leon, gracias for your time today. And uh, we'll you. do a con the next time you'll be interviewing us and we'll do the other Definitely. way. Okay? Definitely. Okay. Yes. So beautiful. Yeah, I want to thank you, Barbara oh. and Gerardo, and thank Healthcare on Toll podcast for your work, for your esfuerzo, for your motivation and inspiration, and, and continue to do the work, the good work you're doing. Gracias. Gracias to all yeah, of you. Thank you. Thank you. The Rama Blueprints podcast tells the story of San Francisco's Real Alternatives program, a revolutionary youth service organization who advocated for youth empowerment through leadership development and self-determination. Its legacy includes being one of the most pivotal youth service providers to influence public policy in the nation. You can listen to the Rama Blueprints wherever you listen to podcasts, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. All power to the people. Healthcare Untold. Healthcare untold. Healthcare untold.